fantastic. I've never done one of those before. That was fun. All right, if you can't understand me, I'll speak slower than Chris Kane. I promise you that. <laughs> She's my friend too. She lives down the road. And um, we are actually the pastors of her kids. Because you know that she lives in Newport Beach now. Do you know that? Yeah. Chris? And um, No, you don't know? Do anyone not know who she is? It's all right. She's a whirlwind. That's what she is. My little Greek friend. So it, it is a privilege to be here. I was meant to be here last year, this time last year, and my granddaughter was being born. So gran my granddaughter. What's wrong? Anyway, she's she was born and she turns one tomorrow. So I'll, I'll give you a little bit of family history in just a moment because I've lost some of you right there on the whole granddaughter thing. I want to speak to you tonight specifically about a word. This word... I don't know whether when I say the word you will think of yourself as such. I don't know whether when I say this word you'll think of a whole lot of other people that you know who you think are this word. But I do want to say to you tonight, regardless of the very first thought that comes into your head when I say this word to you, I want you to know that God's plan for your life is to be this word. Are you ready for what this word is? If you're taking notes tonight, you can write this word down as a big heading. If you're not... Just remember this one word. You, you might not remember all other 80,000 words I say tonight, but you might remember this one word, and that word is brave. That word is brave, and I want to speak to you tonight about this special word, brave, because it's very easy for us to think of heroes. Think of heroes when we think about brave. My dad was a firefighter for 36 years in Australia, and he loved being a firefighter, he was offered many promotions that would take him into office work and to be chief of whatever, and he, he only went so far and anything that would take him out of actually being able to run into a burn, burning building, he turned all of those promotions down. He was just this crazy hero kind of guy. So when I think of my dad, though, do I really think about him being a hero because of him running into the face of danger on a daily basis? Not really. When I think of my dad, I think he actually personifies brave for a whole nother reason, and that's what I want us to catch tonight. My dad's commitment to life was what I think made him brave. My dad's commitment to family, my dad's commitment to the ordinary things in life was what made him and what still makes him to this day brave. I want you to know it's not just for heroes, it's not just for Wonder Woman. <laughs> We're so blessed by my choral singing just then. It is not just for the people who you admire and aspire to be like. God needs us to be brave. Your kids need you to be brave. Your friends need you to be brave. This community needs us to be brave. And God knows the world needs us to be brave. If we are the frightened, timid, intimidated, bullied lie down, Christians, what on earth are we going to do with our lives? You know what the enemy wants to do? He just wants you to sit down and shut up on the inside. He doesn't care how you walk around. He doesn't care how you present on the outside. He doesn't care how many committees you're on, how involved you are at school, how involved you are in your kids' school, how, how much you serve. If you are sitting down on the inside and silenced in your soul, he has said, I have won this because she is just a zombie. She is not brave. 
We've got to stand up on the inside, girls, in the midst of all of it. And listen, you can go to sleep every night and pray it will go away, the crazy life that you might be living right now. But perhaps God wants you to walk through it, learn through it, become brave through it. Can we pray tonight? Let's pray. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for being ever-present with us. God, I pray for every family represented here, every life. I thank you, Lord, that you are with us, you are for us. And Lord, I pray that you help me get out of my mouth tonight what's in my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to read you a quote that I captured after 9-11. It's a New York fire chief speaking, and he said, Firefighters are going to get killed. When they join the department, they face that fact. When a man becomes a fireman, his greatest act of bravery has already been accomplished. What he does after that is all in the line of duty. They are not thinking of getting killed when they go where death lurks. Firefighters do not regard themselves as heroes because they actually do what the business requires. When you make a decision to commit to life, to commit to serving God, to commit to being a family member, not just biologically you know, giving birth to offspring and somehow or other wondering how you arrived there, but to actually saying, I've signed up for this. Everything else I do is in the line of duty. Habakkuk 3.19 says this. Do you love your Bible? I'm a Bible nut. I didn't bring my Bible. It's all through here. It's all through here too. Twelve years in a row have I been reading Bible in a year. Twelve years in a row. I've got to recommend to you, it takes about 15 minutes a day. It will rock your world. Absolutely amazing change in my life. And I just really encourage you to get into the Word of God. It is the only context you'll find in the middle of crazy. Amen? Habakkuk 3.19 says this, The Lord God is my strength. He is my personal bravery and my invincible army. He makes my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk and to make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering, or, you ready for this big word? Responsibility. It's like, wow, God is speaking to us from Habakkuk. Who even knew that book was there? By the way, By the way, if you can't negotiate your way through the Bible by being really super spiritually clever by just knowing where everything is, use the thing called an index. (laughs) Because if it wasn't holy, it wouldn't be in the Bible. I love my holy index and I use it. So just so you know, don't sit there going, I don't know where anything is. That's what the index is for. And that's how we learn. Oh, responsibility. God is going to help me be brave with my responsibility. Proverbs 31, 14, I've been teaching Proverbs 31 to our women since May 2008, May 2008, and what is the date? I don't know what the date is now, is that four years ago, four and a half years ago, and we have moved 10 verses. So I love Proverbs 31, we just find something and we, we park ourselves there until we get where we've got to go with, with God. But this is part of the series that we talked about With this word responsibility, I think, you know, some women in this room, and you're highly responsible, but somehow or other you feel like it's just not cool to be responsible, that the random people in life get all the fun things to do. Listen, there's nothing cool about random. Ask any employer 
What are they looking for? The random person who might show up to work. No, I think responsible is the new sexy. Is it okay to say that word in church? It is the cool thing. Responsible, not the renegade, not the, not the random special person who comes in and comes out. God needs us to be responsible. And when I think about this word responsible, Proverbs 31:14 says this, she is like the merchant ships loaded with food stuff. She brings her household's food from a far country. God says we're a merchant ship. That's really attractive. A merchant ship <laughs> is the biggest moving vessel on planet Earth. It is grey, it has nuts, it has bolts. It is designed specifically for the purpose of moving stuff from one place to another. So what is God saying to us? He's designed us for capacity. He's designed us for capacity. All you in here who say, I can't cope. God has designed you for capacity. We've been designed to carry his presence from one place to another, from one person to another. We have been designed for capacity. And maybe you're thinking to yourself right now, well, I just feel like the little dinghy. (laughs) Or I feel like the motor taxi, the water taxi. Some of you need to stop being the fun ship, the cruise ship. (laughs) Merchant ship. And my friends, let me tell you tonight, I thank God that merchant ships are not built in the ocean. Where is a merchant ship built? A merchant ship is dry docked. And maybe tonight you're feeling dry docked, sidelined, anonymous. Can I tell you, that is the safest, most wonderful place on planet Earth for you right now, if that's your place. God is building you, and you need to thank God that you are sidelined for this season that you are in your hidden years maybe, where he can drill another bolt in, where he can fuse you together, where he can heal you, make you whole, get you ready for the big seas. Because you don't want to be on the big seas sailing the high life and fall apart. Because those who have that opportunity to ride the high seas know how hard it is, how much stress there is in that. So some of us in this room tonight, you've thought, why, why am I like sidelined? Why am I overlooked all the time? Look at, say, thank you, God, that I'm going to actually use this time and this space in my life to build my life. Take responsibility. Merchant ships are built in dry docks. Whether you're sailing the oceans wide or you're being nailed right now in the dry dock, remember that God has designed and created you for a purpose bigger and broader than you could ever imagine. This word brave, I like to say it like this. It is simply commitment in plain clothes. It is commitment in plain clothes. I want to share with you tonight just a couple of things, maybe three things. I could share a hundred. I like storytelling. I love, my two favourite things to do are to shop and to talk. (laughs) And when I'm talking, I'm eating. You know, talking and eating is fun. Um, So I, I will continue to talk to you until... Uh, I feel like we've had a big enough conversation. I do want to share a part of my life with you tonight, and I have tried over the years to turn what is a very long saga of a three, four, five-hour movie down into a 
very short trailer, and I will do my best to share with you, asking the Holy Spirit to help me to share the parts that will help you most tonight. But I want you to walk out of here 10 foot taller in your soul, in your spirit, and in your physical presence tonight. I'm a freedom fighter. Actually, where is the resource? I totally forgot about it, and I'll do it now because I'll forget about it later. I don't much like to talk about resource. I don't know why, but I do like to give things away. So can I give, give away some stuff? Because then I can make friends with you because we don't really know each other, and now we'll, we will love each other because I will give you gifts and you will like me. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just mention a couple of these things, but I do want to say that I'm very passionate about personal freedom. Why am I passionate about personal freedom? Because it's a really big issue if you don't have it. And it's very consuming and it slows your life down. It it affects your children and it affects your ministry and it affects your work. So I'm a very big believer in fighting for your personal freedom so that it is a non-issue anymore. So all of these, I'm passionate about body, soul and spirit and we need to get free and I can't talk about all the, the different things that I've got with me here tonight, but I want to just highlight a couple of things that I hope will help. Um, Mirror Mirror is a book on identity, because our identity has been under threat since the day we were conceived. And if there is a woman in this place tonight and you're really believing God for your teenage daughter, who is absolutely stunningly beautiful, who doesn't believe they are, would you take this book home and give it to your teenage daughter? I need someone to help me find people. Okay, and I'm going to be out the back after, and I will sign that for you. Put, your, put the daughter's name in it, and you take it home and say, this is from love, from all of us here. Um, I wrote a book called Body and Soul, because I'm very passionate about us looking after us, ourselves, body, soul, and spirit. And unlike beautiful uh, Miss Becky here, who can order our pizza for lunch and have legs like that, <laughs> we love her, but we hate her. And No, but we love her. And we hate her. (laughs) Listen, listen. I know what it's like. I know what it's really like. And I don't order a pepperoni pizza. I do occasionally, but I can't do that every day for lunch. And I'm one of those ones that had to fight for my freedom. So this is how to lose the 78 pounds that I lost recently and have kept it off. So that I want to give... Who wants to know what to do? Awesome. Now, we really do love you. Okay, do we have any leaders in the house tonight? Any leaders in the house? Leaders, leaders. Oh, okay, excuse me. I want everyone's hand up. How many leaders do we have? Right, some of you are like, well, well, I'm not really. Okay, let me explain to you. We are leading our own lives. I am passionate about women leading their own lives. Leading others is awesome, but we've got to lead our own lives. And I wrote a book called It's Time, with an hourglass on it, because time is ticking. And if you want to stop going around the same roundabouts and you want to learn how to start leading your own life and becoming a leader that you're actually meant to be for Jesus, then this one's for you. Who would like this book? Fantastic. Okay, and here's a personal favourite because I love, I love heaven and I love eternity and I call my daughter, my little daughter, my new one, uh, London Eternity, I love that name very much. 
And I wrote this book, and it's a book of hope to help people who have lost loved ones. And it's not a sad book. I, I turned myself inside out writing this book so that it would be a happy book in a sad moment. So if this would help anyone in this room, maybe you've got a friend, a neighbour, a mum, somebody who you know just can't, can't get over what's happened, this will, this will help them. Trust me on that. So can I give that away as well? Okay. And then I'm going to give you these um, CDs. I'll just say it really quickly. I've got the answer to all life's problems. You ready? It's official. More Jesus. Who wants more Jesus? Okay, anyone done with a complicated relationship, complicated calendar, complicated people, complicated everything, complicated finances? Give me the simple life. Who would like simple life? There's a palm tree on there for you. And here, the call of God is not complicated. Ring, ring, answer the call. And then lastly... I am very passionate about relationships and I have got a CD series here called Boys, Guys and Men. Did you know there is a difference? A boy, whoa, a boy you give birth to. A boy you give birth to, you don't date him, you don't marry him. A guy is a friend. You want a man of God. And all the women who worked that out the second time said amen. amen. Who would like that? There you go. Thank you. And I've got one little duvalaki. I don't even know what's on this. It's a spaceship thing that goes in your computer. Someone can have that. It's probably got everything on it. I don't know. It's a UFO card, you know, one of those things. All right. Fantastic. I'm actually writing the book right now, Boys, Guys and Men. We've got a lot of young people in our church. And um, because I actually pastor, I'm not a professional speaker. Speaking is what I, I do uh, when I'm asked to do that, but I'm actually a pastor and I'm an author. I've been an author for nearly 20 years. was published with um, HarperCollins and Random House in Australia. was a best-selling author in Australia and I love to write. I'd prefer to write you a letter to tell you how I really feel and we'll do, do the best I can with uh, verbal words as well. But I am writing that book on boys, guys and men because I would love to see women wait for the man. Yeah. Don't get confused by the cute guy because cuteness fades. You know, like when he opens the door once and then slams it for the next 20 years? Okay, turn in your Bible if you brought it tonight to Romans 12. Romans 12. I love beautiful Nana Isabel. She is awesome. And we were having a little conversation today about her tat. You know her. Right. This scripture, Romans 12, and I, I, I say this to our girls, they know. If I say, what is, what is my life scripture, they'll say Romans 12. So I've said, if I was going to get a tattoo, which I'm not, I would have Romans 12 in the message translation all the way down my back. Problem is, I don't want it on the back of my legs later. So I'm not going to go ahead and do that. So this little one's cool because it's not going to go anywhere. But, you know, down the back, this beautiful big, it'll be like down here later. It happens. So you know what I do? I write it on my heart. This one I write on my heart. Here we go. Romans 12, 1 to 2. So here is what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed 
from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Amen. Tonight, I want you to find the shades of brave that you need to find for your life because we all have our own shades of brave. And really, they come from our ordinary life, our everyday life. Some of you dreamers, instead of dreaming about a preferred life you'll never have, start dreaming about the life you've got and how to make it better. Number one, to be brave, you need to be committed to mission. Committed to mission. I believe we've been created by God on purpose for his purpose. On purpose for his purpose. Five years ago, or six years ago now, we moved from Hillsong Church in Australia to plant Newport Church in California. And that was a really hard thing to do, um, led by the Holy Spirit to do it. When I say really hard, it was easier dreaming about it. Very exciting, actually. Having that little dream, ooh, we're going to live in America, that's awesome. Buying the one-way ticket was a whole nother thing. Standing at the airport, watching the doors close, and seeing my mum and dad's little sneakers as they turned around and walked back to their car to go home. Us and our one-way ticket. Like, God, you have to make this thing work. And honestly, it took a lot of brave in me, and I'm a little chicken. I love this subject, brave, because I've had to learn how to do it. There would have been everything inside me that it would have said to God, oh God, the dream was enough for me. I was happy to just dream about it. And God said, no, go. And we heard Pastor Rob's amazing message today. <laughs> and I, was, I flew all the way from California to hear that word. <laughs> amazing profound. If you weren't in church this morning, you missed it. You had to, if you blinked, you missed it, actually. Amazing word. But listen, are you committed to mission in life? My years at Hillsong Church were actually not where I was applauded from the stage. They, they weren't where I was acknowledged a whole bunch. They weren't where I was flown around the world to be on everyone else's stage. You know, my years at Hillsong Church were my hidden years. I was, I was in the dry dock building the house of God. God was building me. And it wasn't about where's my opportunity. It was about God building me and making me strong. And I became so committed to his purpose and never ever during that time thought, okay, God, if I don't get my big opportunity in some limelight, I'm going to quit. It actually made me more determined to be focused on the mission of building God's kingdom and being a piece in the puzzle. Some of us are doing nothing right now because we just don't know. We can't see where we fit. We don't need to see where we fit. We just need to get on with it. We need to get on with it. If you're part of this church, there is a fit for you right here. Whatever that thing is, whatever you're asked to do, say this glorious word, yes. Be quick, be quick to respond to it. God loves it when we are quick to respond to him. So we've got to be committed to mission. What does that mean? It could look as simple as when... Uh, Miss Becker says, it's sparkle time, that instead of you saying, oh, I want to keep my options open, I'm not sure if there's a sports game that day that I've got to go and do a barbecue, you just say straight away, I am there, and I'm signing up, and I'm bringing my friends. That's what, that's what it takes. It means you are actually taking the front foot 
and you are actually making a decision for your own life. You are taking responsibility, and then God is nailing another peace in you to make you strong and ready for the high seas. The second thing you need to be committed to to help you be brave. So number one is mission. Number two is, do we have any mums in the house? Okay, and if you're not a mum in this place, then you will be one day, and maybe if you can't have children biologically, then you're a spiritual mum. But everybody here is designed to be mother-nurturer. So we need to be committed to motherhood. We're women. And it's an interesting little world, pastoring women. And we have sisterhood, and I've been part of the Hillsong Sisterhood forever. And then ever since we planted our church, I made a decision. I thought if I don't make it before I leave Australia, I might get to America, and all the girls might scare me, and I might not do women's ministry. So I, th- I thought I'll make that commitment before I even leave. And I didn't know who I was going to meet, because we started from scratch. And I have made a commitment to be in sisterhood and part of sisterhood and leading sisterhood. But it's an interesting thing to watch women and and different ideas when it comes to motherhood. I want to really help you here. You know that um, the Bible says something really clear. Romans, I'll give it to you. Romans 11.29. I'll just read it from the word. It says, For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. When you have a baby... God does not do an exchange program with you. Here is your baby. I will have that call back. Here is that baby, and you have lost all privileges in ministry now. You know what babies do? They train you for ministry. They train you for the stretch. They train you for the love that is unconditional. They train you for the late nights and the early mornings. Babies are the best ministry training on planet Earth. They train you to clean up somebody else's vomit. This is life. And when you have a baby, you don't have a lobotomy. Stay engaged, girls. Stay engaged. You know, children are not in our lives. Like, oh, children, offspring. I've got six kids and one grandchild and a son-in-law. Let's not forget the son-in-law. Right, and he's awesome. But you know what? I've never used my children as a human shield. Oh, I cannot come, I cannot come, I cannot come. And I've also not ever left them behind saying, oh, mummy has to go, go, go. I've literally like, turned myself and my life inside out to have them with me and say, so we're doing this together. And you know, I've got twin boys who are 18 who are about to age out of school next year and they're going to go to college And the first thing they're going to want to do is find a church near their college that they're going to go to because they would not know what to do with themselves on a Sunday. They've never had an option. And we train up a child on the way that they will go. And then when they're older, the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, they won't depart from it. We have got to be committed to motherhood. And yes, it is hard work. And yes, love will cost you everything. But it is something later on in life, honestly, you will have no regrets for, to absolutely be fully totally committed. Another aspect of being committed to motherhood for me, and this is a little piece of my story, and I want to show you a photo right now, is I have this tendency to be the incredible, expanding, shrinking woman when it comes to having children. And um, there's probably, it's going to come up when there's some noise. Oh, okay. Oh, (laughs) okay. That's awesome. Leave it there. 
I'm just sorry for all the men in the room. You know what my friend Chris says? Chris Kane says you should warn everybody. You should have one of those CNN things that say uh, warning images may uh, disturb. So, because she doesn't, she doesn't want to see my backside. She's told me many times I do not want to see your backside. Listen, I want to show you this photo. There's a reason for that. I had my last child at... 39, I was nearly 40 years old. And when I had little London, I put on 78 pounds. And this photo was after I lost the first 25. I had no photos before that because I was just really depressed and didn't think I could do it. But I show you that photo because that's what I like to brag about. I don't want to show you skinny photos because they make everyone unhappy and feel like you can't do anything. I like to show this because if I can do this, excuse me, if I can do this, you can do it. And what was the motivator for me? And listen, it's not just babies. It's not, I, I put on 25 pounds um, after she was born, by the way, just because I felt like it. Yep. You know? <laughs> I, God bless all the mothers who nurse babies and lose the weight, you know, like this, whatever. Charming. No, it's like... <laughs> it's like walking down the street and boom goes a pound, like, no. No. I liked my strawberry jam bagels in the morning, and I liked, my, I liked all that stuff. And listen, it's a choice. Life's full of choices. And I learnt something. I learnt that I didn't want to spend my motherhood years, especially with a new surprise in our life. And she was a surprise. We planted the church, and six months later, boom, boom, here she comes. Um, I didn't want to spend that time like this. Oh, my back is sore, my ankles are sore, we've got stairs in the house, I know what I'll do. I'll do one trip of the stairs, the rest of the time I'll be downstairs and I'll get the children to fetch for me. Children? <laughs> Mummy needs her, whatever, from upstairs. Children? And I thought, I could spend my motherhood doing that, getting my children to be my personal slaves, that'd be awesome. <laughs> and instead of me running around after them, they can run around after me. And I made a decision, uh-uh, uh-uh, I've got a four-year-old. She's four years old now and she's a runner. And I run after her. And it's a decision that I made. And once you lose the first five pounds, you can lose 10. You just got to focus on the five. Once you lose 10, you can lose 15. When you've lost 25 pounds, you can lose anything. Yeah. So that's why I write books on this subject, because I really want to help you. And how to do that is all in that book. But one thing is for sure, you need to make a decision to get free. That needs to be your sole motivation, freedom. It's not about how you look, it's about freedom. It's about health. And some of you think it's too expensive to be healthy. You can do it for $7.50 a day. That's cheaper than a big box of Krispy Kreme donuts. It's just when you mix your Carl's Jr. with your protein shake, it gets a bit expensive. Okay. Third and finally, and if, if the team want to just come or the girl on the keys. Beautiful. This is the third thing I've learned. This is a shade of brave. To be committed to marriage. Yes. Committed to mission, we're women. Committed to motherhood, it's part of our life. It's part of our, the way we were wired to be mums. But also to be committed to marriage. I know by the response I have, doesn't matter where I am, doesn't matter if I'm at home, in our own church, or if I'm out visiting somewhere else, when I start talking about boys, guys, and men, there's always a roar. Because it's, 
it's where we live, it's, it's what we're having to face every single day. And some of you in this place have got amazing marriages and that's awesome. My mum and dad have been married 51 years and they still kiss. Yes. Embarrassing. <laughs> they love each other. My dad brings my mum breakfast in bed every day. And they're just very cute and very beautiful and very eternal in their love. It's just amazing. But, you know, my mum had just one wedding dress. And when she gave birth to me, I, I'm sure she was not thinking, oh, here's my beautiful daughter and raising me in a home full of so much love. I'm sure for sure she wasn't thinking to herself that, that her daughter would have two wedding dresses. And my story is that I've had two wedding dresses and that I do have six kids, but I haven't biologically given birth to all six. In our family situation, we have his, hers and ours. Any his, hers and ours in this place? I'm sure there is. If not you, then maybe your daughter is someone like me. And I'm telling you, I didn't wake up one day and think to myself, well, gee, my goal in life is to have a really terrible marriage and go through a really painful divorce. But one thing I have learnt to do and why I wanted to talk to you about this subject of brave is to not try and escape it, but to actually stand up on the inside and walk through it. God with me, being quick to respond to Him, watching how He can do a miracle in a really short period of time. My husband, Jonathan, is the most amazing man on planet Earth. We celebrated our 15-year anniversary this year. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's like we've been married 51 years because when it's right, it's so right. But you know, when I was 21, I married the man who I thought was the man of my dreams. And the sad thing was, I didn't really know him. I didn't even really know myself, 21 years old. And I, I married him because he asked me. And I know there is at least one person in this room and that's your story. Somebody asked you and you did, didn't think anyone would ever ask you. The first person comes along, you went, yep, I'm there. And you know, it wasn't very long after we got married that I actually got to know this person and you know to this day just so you know there's a good there's a good end to the story we're actually all good friends more than civil they come and have Christmas with us sometimes we'll have uh, Thanksgiving at our home sometimes they're actually visiting here from Australia he has remarried and got a, got a baby so there is no animosity and I've got this this theory in my little brain and my little heart about heaven and you know what is heaven to my sons is their dad and stepmom and their mum and stepdad all loving each other. And I will do anything to make peace in that arena. And it's actually really not that hard. Some of us, we just think it has to be animosity or nothing. But you know, we, I didn't know this guy really. We just got married and, oh my word, I seem to not be able to do very much right. And I learnt very quickly that I'd married somebody who was angry all the time. He was angry all the time, it didn't matter what I did, and it would seem to be a spiral, and it would, there would be things that would happen, and, and all of a sudden I would find myself at the hand of anger. And I was living in England with him, he, he's actually English, and we were staying in this little village at his mum and dad's place, and this is back in the day, girls, this is before, there were no mobile phones, I didn't even have a credit card, and I'm in a foreign country, and I escaped this one time and I ran down this road, ran for my life. And I don't know where, the, to me I laugh at this story now because I'm thinking, where was I running to? Where was I going? I had no money, there were no phones. They owned the village, you know, it's, back, it's like watching a movie. 
And I, I don't remember much about that season except I knew never to run away again. And I decided, okay, God, help me. I have to make this work. I have to make this work. I'm married now. And I didn't tell anybody what was happening. I wouldn't talk to a soul. And I thought, okay, this did not stop, by the way. This went on for six years. And after the, after the fifth year, I thought, I know what I can do now. And I lived with this as an absolute secret. Nobody knew. At least I thought people didn't know. Because my white picket fence was all important. That's what I mean about you sitting down on the inside and walking around all great on the outside. I know. And you don't have to live like that. God does not want you to live like that. So I knew what I would do to fix everything. You ready for what I decided to do? I decided to have children. Because children would fix everything. Children make everyone happy. Children would take away the anger. Do you think it fixed anything? It fixed nothing. It made it worse. And you know, the long and short of it is, there was a moment in time. So how did this whole thing ever come to closure? I was chased into the bathroom one day. There were no locks on any doors in our home. There were holes in walls. There was property destroyed all the time because there was anger. And I remember cowering down in the bathroom and looking up between these really big legs and I saw one of my sons at the end of a hallway, 18 months old, no sound, just tears coming down his face. And then all of a sudden I knew I had to take responsibility. Responsibility. It wasn't about me anymore, it was about them. So I contacted my local church and I got help and I found somebody who I knew was very pro-marriage because my whole thing was, let's stick it all together again. Can we please tape it all together again? I took a notepad, I took a pen, I took my Bible and I said, can you please tell me what to do? I've got, I'll, I'll write it down. Just tell me the things I have to do. And this beautiful woman, her name's Amanda Ferguson, her and her husband, Robert, are on the senior team. They're still at Hillsong Church. She said, she was so kind. She said, my dear, put the book down. And when she said that, honestly, it was like something inside me just had permission to be real, permission to get healed, permission to actually cry, permission to say what happened was not good, permission to say, okay, we can actually fix this for real. And so she said, you need to go and do this thing called tough love. I went, what's that? She gave me books to read and I went home and I said, okay, we're not living like this anymore. We're not, do, we're not doing this because I just thought one day those, those men are going to be raised in a home. Those little boys are going to be men in a home that could not be more dysfunctional, which is where mummy and daddy all look perfect and it's all really crazy. Because, you know, the definition of functional is the ability to adapt. It's not to, anything to do with steps and divorce or anything like that. You've got a lot of dysfunction in a lot of married families. So I sat him down and said, okay... You need to go so you can come back. We've got to start again. And the sad end of that story, which I actually didn't think it would turn out like that, was that he went away and he moved in with his girlfriend and he never came back. And you know, as painful as it was, I can't explain the pain. If you've been through it, you know what I'm talking about. It's like you get a piece of glass, slice me in half. The most unbelievable pain that a woman is never designed to carry. And what happened was I just said, God, I'm going to be quick to respond to you. Now it's about raising these children. I'm going to be committed to motherhood. I'm now going to be committed to mission. I put myself through Bible school. 
I put myself to Bible school. I took those little boys to little preschool at 7 in the morning, started Bible school at 7.30 a.m. And I decided, okay, God, now is the time. I want my head to catch up with my heart. I'm going to give my whole life. Us three, we are yours. And that's when, a few years later, I met my husband, Jonathan. And he said, I like you because you don't need me. Can I pray for you tonight? Oh, it's a happy ending story. Honestly, whatever your shade of brave is, you've got to find it. Find that shade of brave. I'm going to pray tonight for your mission, for your mothering, and for your marriage. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for every woman here. God, you are so awesome, so faithful. God, I thank you that you can do a quick work, just like you love it when we quickly respond to you. Lord God, we are so eternally grateful when you do a quick work in our lives. Lord, I pray specifically tonight for women who are feeling sidelined, that they would turn that thought and that feeling into appreciation for you building them in this season, God, anonymously in the hidden years, Father, so that we can become stronger. And Lord, I pray for all the mums in this place. God, I pray for the single mums. I pray for the grandmas raising children in this place. I thank you, Father God, for strengthening them to the core. And Lord, I pray for marriages in this place, Lord God. I thank you, Father, for strong marriages that are great examples. Lord, I pray for marriages right now that are going through hard times, that you would do miracles where you need to do miracles. I pray, Lord God, for those looking for the love of their life. Lord God, let it be really clear who this man of God is. And Lord God, as women in this place lean towards, Lord, let it be clear and let it be right. And I pray, Lord God, that we will see just a revolution in healthy relationships spring forth out of this moment in time. Seal your word, we pray tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.